Welcome to Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwynn. Celebrate food and life by learning about the culinary scene around the world. Speaking with chefs, artists and food makers, farmers, authors and tastemakers who are passionate about everything delicious. A very good Sunday to you food lovers. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Heating up the radio waves with grand guests and gastronomic pleasures every Sunday. I hope you'll stay tuned for the full hour because coming up, you'll get a taste of Carla Hall, much loved from the Chew. Carla is stopping by to share her secret ingredient for the ultimate holiday meals. Also, Test Kitchen Director of Savour Magazine, Stacey Adamondo, will be here. She has truly terrific tips for the ultimate Thanksgiving turkey. And before the end of the hour, you will be drinking like a billionaire. That's right. Sommelier Mark Oldman will fill your glass. You know, the culinary landscape is ever evolving. And on this show, you'll hear from chefs and pastry aficionados, restaurateurs and molecular gastronomers, food bloggers and enthusiasts, cookbook authors, travel experts, mixologist master sommeliers, and more, because it's my goal to feed your soul. And all throughout the holiday season, we will be dishing on the top trends, traditional dishes, and all of the beauty of fabulous food. And I hope that you'll weigh in. You can interact on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm at Chef Jamie Gwen. And I'm always serving up seconds, by the way, at ChefJamie.com. So to kick off this hour's conversation. Winter might not have yet arrived all across the country, but I want you to know I'm wearing my sweaters, even in Southern California, and I'm embracing the season. And when you crave comfort food and hearty, rustic dishes, don't you think juicy pork chops? I mean, they conjure up soulful satisfaction, right? And you want to make a better pork chop. I mean, who doesn't? Well, this ongoing trend to butter-based applies beautifully to lobster and to steak, but to pork chops as well. And to master perfectly juicy pork chops, if you haven't tried butter-basting them in the pan, well, then you're missing out. Now, even though pork chops are a weeknight staple, I think they can be intimidating to some great cooks. You can throw them on the grill, of course, but have they ever ended up dry or do yours turn sort of gray? Well, we know that color is flavor and butter is flavor. And I think that everything is better with the three B's. You've heard me say it before. Butter, bacon, and beer. And the rule, by the way, applies here. There is really no need to fear the chop. If you treat a pork chop like a T-bone steak with care and attention and you butter baste, you will master the pork chop like a master chef. Now, pan roasting is hands down, in my opinion, the most effective mouth-watering way to cook a piece of protein. Now, pan roasting entails a few different things. You can cook start to finish in the pan, and oftentimes, if the cut of meat or protein is too thick, you might finish in the oven. But if you want boneless chicken breasts that are bursting with juice, or maybe that thick salmon filet cooked tender medium rare at its center, the art of the pan roast coaxes maximum flavor and texture from whatever you're cooking. 
because browning on top of the stovetop creates this flavorful, crusty outside layer. And frequently turning the protein, especially when it's without skin, allows it to brown beautifully all over. And the chef's trick for another layer of flavor is butter basting. Now, butter basting is one of those chef's moves that will forever change the way you cook. It's brown butter. Well, it starts, of course, as natural butter. And as I say, please buy the best quality butter that you can afford. Yes, European butter does make a difference. It's not only from other parts of the world. More importantly, it has a lower water content and a higher butter fat content. And therefore, the butter is richer and you might even use less. But it's one of those ingredients, butter that is, that you really want to buy the best. And when it comes to butter basting... You add the butter to the pan, and I'll tell you how to do it coming up. So hold on just a sec. When you add the butter to the pan over the cooking process, the long period, the butter browns and turns noisette, as they say in French, hazelnut. Those brown flecks are so full of nutty, delicious flavor that the pork chop just can't help itself. And it takes on all of that amazing richness. The brown butter bathes the meat with flavor, and it carries heat into every nook and crevice of the pork chop in this instance. So you ask, how does one butter baste? Well, you can thank me later. Once the protein has been seared, in this case of the pork chop, you cook it about halfway through. You start in olive oil, you season the pork chop with whatever you like, salt, pepper, dry rub, crust of some sort, and you start cooking it over medium high heat until it is golden on both sides, on the edges as well, and it start to cook through to the center. And then you add good dollops of butter to the pan, along with some aromatics, like I add unpeeled cloves of garlic and fresh sturdy herbs like thyme or sage or rosemary. And when the butter has melted and it starts to foam, you tilt the pan towards you so that it pools up at the end of the pan, and this will help you spoon up the butter. You use a long-handled spoon, and you quickly and repeatedly spoon up the butter and pour it back over the meat. And as you continue to absolutely make love to this pork chop, the butter eventually finishes foaming and it gradually begins to brown. And you want to stop just before the butter starts to smoke because if it goes black, you've gone too far. Uh, But the pork chop should be perfectly cooked if you have a, a double cut or thick cut pork chop. And the butter is all toasty and yummy. And the exterior of the pork chop has this beautiful crust. And wait till you taste the inside juicy goodness. Now, once again, you're going to want a thick bone-in, at least one-inch thick chop. Because you can still cook it completely on top of the stove. It's not too thick and not too thin. And as far as which type of pan you're going to cook your chops in, most chefs will tell you that cast iron is the way to go. You get a really incredible sear from cast iron because the pan gets so hot. And you get great heat conduction as well. But if you don't have a cast iron pan, just use the heaviest saute pan that you have. Now, with butter basting... The protein, more specifically the pork chop here, takes on the fragrance of the herbs, but the nutty flavor of the brown butter is the most delicious part. 
So now you know why I am a butter baster and why you should be too. Oh, and don't forget, please think pink. Don't be afraid if the center of your pork chop is still pink. It should be. You want to cook the chops to 140 degrees and then let them rest because there's carryover cooking to about 145. And that's the perfect rosy, medium doneness of a pork chop. You do not need to worry about cooking the pork chop all the way through. We have had no risk of pork in this country for a very long time. But the most luscious, tender, beautiful pork chop you have ever made will come from butter basting on top of the stove. Mark my word. And yes, you're welcome. (laughs) Okay, let me know how your butter-basted pork chops turn out. I want to know. You can email me anytime, whether it's to dish on butter-basted pork chops or with a cooking question for the upcoming holiday season or a recipe request or more. My email address, jamie, J-A-M-I-E, at chefjamie.com. And in food news this week, might not be news to many truly fabulous food lovers, but in recent months, a number of restaurants across the country have hiked their menu prices for guacamole or for avocado dishes in general, and some restaurants have stopped serving them altogether. So I thought it was most important to acknowledge that there is a one-two punch going on in the avocado world, a rough growing season in California, my home state, and a worker strike in Mexico. So the volume of avocado imports from Mexico uh, is down approximately 80% in the last two weeks. The price uh, has doubled for avocados, for restaurateurs, and for consumers like you and me uh, since this time last year. And some restaurants have stopped serving avocado altogether. But things are looking brighter. I read a report from the FDA this past week and from the Avocado Growers Association And avocado lovers rejoice because prices are are still high, but they've come down a bit. Uh, The avocado market has improved and it will continue to do so supposedly every week for the few weeks to come. And I want you avocado lovers to stay positive. And that is food news you can use. And now you know. And do not touch your dial because my friend Carla Hall of The Chew is sitting down Next, she is going to share her arsenal of secret ingredients to make your holidays come alive with flavor. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Don't touch your dial. We'll be right back. We've got a game plan for your ultimate Thanksgiving feast. Welcome back, Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Oh, how I love this gal. Her vibrant personality, her warmth, her love of food. And I am so delighted that she's stopping by again to dish. Carla Hall is here. She's the Chew host that you love, who blends her classic French training and her southern roots to create dishes that are full of fabulous hugs. And wouldn't we all like to sit down at her Thanksgiving table? Carla, I just invited myself to dinner at your house. Are you there? Hi, Jamie. 
Jamie, it's so funny because as you were talking, I'm like, I'm going to Jamie's house. No. I mean, <laughs> you know your you know your way around the kitchen. Well, so thank you. That's very kind. Bouncing back at you. Well, thank you. I actually would really love to come to your house because I heard that you are switching it up this year a little bit. You're adding some of your health and wellness approach to Thanksgiving, which after I read the amount of calories we consume on the day, I, I think you've got a, a really good idea in mind here. Well, I think the thing is, well, one, the holidays are very personal for people, so they want to hold them to, to their traditions. And yes. I think a lot of times what people want to do is bring in a bunch of stuff that is healthy, but it, it says nothing about the holidays. And so <laughs> what I am wanting to share with people is how you can make the switch but still have your traditions. I don't care where you're from. And, and, so, and, and that's key. So what I'm doing is for today, for instance, I have these braised short ribs. And people will think, braised short ribs for Thanksgiving? But, you know, the turkey has beef friends. So I'm doing these braised <laughs> short ribs. Nice. I am seasoning them with salt and hearty herbs like rosemary and thyme. And then I let all the flavor get in there. And then I am going to sear them. And you know, Jamie, because you know your way around the kitchen. There's flavor in the brown. And this is where people need to take their time and sear these things. And your show is on the Sunday before Thanksgiving. So this is actually something that people can do ahead of time. Yeah, which is wonderful because I'm all about ahead of time. If you can sear everything off or get some side dishes done and into the casseroles, you, you have to plan ahead. It's the only way to enjoy the holiday. It's the only way to enjoy it. And I think it takes a lot of pressure off people to feel like they have to juggle everything. And, and you're already juggling the space on top of the stove and you're juggling space in the oven. So right. this is something that you can actually do the day before. So after I, I let them sit overnight, if possible, and the salt and herbs, I sear them and so until they're brown. And then this is where I'm making the switch. So I'm using 100% Luana coconut oil, and then everything else is the same. So all the recipes that I'm going to talk about today are from my cookbook, Carla's Comfort Foods, yes. but I just switch the oil. And, and that's the healthier thing that I'm doing. So then I take my onions, my onions go in the pan, and then so they are going in with whole garlic cloves. And because mm. this is a braised dish, you don't have to worry about cutting anything up. Which is so nice. Then I take a little bit of tomato paste to add that depth of flavor. Mm. I throw in some red wine, and then I pour in the beef stock up to the shoulder of the short ribs. Nice. And I put the top on, girl, throw <laughs> it in the oven. And that's and it. it's done. That's yeah. it. Okay. That's it. And then the, the next day you can heat it up. I happen to love coconut oil. I love the very, very subtle sweetness. I don't think it adds that inherent dessert sweet. It adds that sort of subtle, like you talk about depth of flavor, that other element of roundness. And I love to cook with coconut oil. So you're subbing out for your olive oil, for your butter with coconut oil. Are you baking with it too? Yes. yes. I even made these delicious cookies. I have these walnut cookies that, um, that is a crust, but I use the coconut oil. And you can still taste the walnuts, so it's very subtle. And, and, and I think people think coconut oil is going to taste like coconut. So like, I don't like coconut, so I'm not going to like the coconut oil. But like you said, it's a neutral oil. And I'm serving it with this compote of apples and cranberries. Mm. How do you make your compote? Do tell. So I throw in the apples and the uh, I mean, and I have a little bit of oil. Throw in the apples and the cranberries and cook them. I also make the cranberries in a simple syrup, mm. so that they are nice and bright. And then I use that simple syrup for a mocktail. 
So oh, you're I love doing it. Two and one, right? Oh, that's fun. Okay, so do you get the sweet tart? Because I like my cranberry sauce to sort of cut through all the richness of the other dishes, right? And in a Southern style, I would think you like that that sort of yeah. tart, pungent bite. Do you know me? Yeah. <laughs> I love the way you cook. I do. And when we got to spend some time together when you were in Southern California months and months ago now, no, your style is really, that's what I want to eat. It's like for me, and the reason I put the, on the finished dish, the lemon and the parsley, because it cuts through the richness. I love a balance between sweet and sour, tangy, like all of my food has that acidity that brightens up everything. And I think if people can learn anything, it's just to balance that out to try to balance those flavors. So in this dish, the, with the dessert, you use a tart apple, and you also have the tartness of the cranberries and just a little hint of sweetness, and, and then the roundness. You would not believe, Jamie, how crispy and light these cookies are. And it's actually made from leftover pie dough. So hmm, it, they are smart. so delicious and so light. Just the, the texture, that sandy texture that you get from shortbread. Yes. It's so delicious. Oh, I love a sandy cookie like that. Okay, so are you using the coconut oil in the pie dough too? I mean, you're using coconut oil everywhere. Yes. You're baking with it. You're searing, sauteing with it. Uh, You're using it melted down if you're adding fat to, let's say, stuffing or, you know, like what we would drizzle butter on top of in place of, right? That's exactly it. That's exactly really it. And smart. you're saving yourself all of that cholesterol. Yes. But what I'm also doing, did I talk about the fish already that I did? No, no, no. Do oh, tell us okay. about the fish. So I did a whole side of salmon, and I'm taking three ingredients. This, this is the easiest dish. And, when, and again, if you plan your holidays right, you can totally do this well. So we talked about cooking ahead of time, but also you need those dishes that are going to, that you can make quickly but still make a, a beautiful presentation. I have a side of salmon. I've mixed three ingredients. I have tarragon, Dijon mustard, and coconut oil. I've slathered that mixture on top of the salmon, and I'm going to throw it under the broiler, and the salmon is going to be ready in less than 20 minutes. Oh, that's fabulous. Tarragon, Dijon, and coconut oil. Yes. What a combo. I mean, bright, brilliant flavor. I love tarragon. And the Dijon and the richness of the salmon. Oh, I am making that. Oh, and then you wait. present it on a platter with these thinly sliced shingled lemons and a little bit of a bouquet of the tarragon. And, and it's so simple and so delicious. And I think for that, for that relative, and you may not like their jello mold, you <laughs> might say, hey, what if you did the salmon this year? That would be amazing. I have a simple recipe. Right, let me share it. And you want them That's very <laughs> smart. I love it. Okay, and then leave us with the cocktail because I would love to toast you for Thanksgiving. You're using the cranberry simple syrup, and what are you mixing it with? I mix it with ginger beer. Nice. And it's just so simple. And then I float some cran- – you can candy some cranberries, some of the cranberries from the dessert and float them in there. Lovely. And then you just make the people who don't drink feel like you thought about them and you're happy that they're there and – you can do a toast with them. Yeah, that's a lovely mocktail. Are the recipes posted, Carla? Where can we find all your new resources? So the recipes are on luannacoconutoil.com. Okay, good. And you can see how versatile it is. Yeah, Yeah, that's fabulous. Good. Well... I happen to, as I mentioned, love your recipes. I love anything with the word swamp in it because of you. Do you remember that? <laughs> Thank you. The swamp thing. The yes, swamp yes, thing. Yes. yes which yes. you made very, very famous, no doubt, 
from um, from your uh, from your success from on Top, Top Chef. Chef. Yes, and um, yeah. and we love watching you on the Chew, and I think you share great knowledge and advice and expertise, and um, and I'm really impressed. I, I think this sort of single switch healthy swap will definitely make a difference for the holidays. And so we're all pro coconut oil and, um, and I'm grateful that you stopped by to dish. I wish you a wonderful meal and I hope you'll come back anytime. You have a long standing invitation, Carla. So please stop by again. Thank you, Jamie. Yes, of course. I will. I will. And happy Thanksgiving to you. Well, and happy Thanksgiving to you. Talk to you soon. She's Carla Hall, her cookbooks, Carla's comfort food, inspiring delicious dishes for every holiday stay tuned chef jamie gwen i'll be right back Welcome back, Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio, loading your plate with holiday ideas, recipes, and tips that are easy to make and hard not to love. To brine or not to brine, that is the question. Cornbread or sourdough stuffing, candied cranberries or gingered chutney, pumpkin pie, oh yes. The big Thanksgiving feast is just 11 days away. And have you planned your menu yet? You'll want to mix tradition and tasty, right? So we're getting some delicious advice today. Stacey Adamondo is the test kitchen director for Savor Magazine, the publication that I love, full of glorious stories about the wonderful world of food with new ideas, inspirations, and recipes for your table. And she is here to dish on the big feast. Stacy. I'm so glad to have you. Welcome. Hi, Jamie. What a lovely introduction. <laughs> oh, Thank you. Of course. Okay. First and foremost, um, we are just days away and it is time to start planning if you haven't already um, for your big turkey menu. Um, and you and I are similar in that we're both traditionalists, but I would, yes, I know you are. I would love to know though, if you're seeing particular trends this year or there's something new and different that's excited you? Well, you know, we're not as trend-focused at Savor as other magazines are, but what I will say is I find that the trends are sort of going in a backwards direction right now, and it's making me really, really happy. Yes. Um, you know, I think there's we're lucky to have this wonderful a variety of, you know, international foods that we publish and cook cook from, you know, their recipes every issue. And I think I'm seeing a lot of these fun, exotic ingredients coming in to, you know, everyday cooking, um, you know, spices from far off places. You know, I feel like five years ago, you couldn't say the word sumac and have someone understand exactly what you're <laughs> talking about. But now that's like a totally normal thing to stock in your pantry. That's true. Um, you know, there's all sorts of herbs that I feel like people are experimenting with more. There's types of citrus, I know, that they're finding at the farmer's market that suddenly, you know, everybody knows what uh, the various blood oranges and, you know, Meyer lemons and whatnot are. So it's super cool that I think, you know, we're kind of going back to this wonderful uh, farm-based, you know, kind of heritage-driven, natural you know, simple kind of cooking. And that's what I'm all about. And I think that's what we seek out in our recipes at Sabur. We try and find that wherever we go across the world. 
I love the ethnic influence, though, that you alluded to, because it is a, a no doubt a cycle. You know, I always joke you should save your genes because they'll come back into <laughs> into trend oh, yeah. and focus. Some of um, them are coming back yeah, now, right? <laughs> for better or for, for worse. better or for worse. <laughs> but the traditional turkey and the cornbread stuffing and those things that are deeply rooted and based in our culinary cultures around the world, I think are wonderful to see come back around and into focus. But I like I like the influence of the ethnic ingredients. I like the new flavor profiles. I like the acid of fermented ingredients just to spike the flavor. Like, do you expect to see a turkey recipe with gochujang somewhere? Oh, definitely. Yeah, Korean chili like- paste everywhere. Oh, yes. That's everywhere. Um, You know, there's fish sauce everywhere right now. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think all kinds of Mexican chilies are coming into fashion. We're seeing, like, uh, you know, turkeys rubbed with adobo paste, um, you know, Mm. chili purees kind of going underneath the skin of turkeys or into the gravy to darken it and thicken it. I've seen mole turkeys. I've seen, you know, turkey confit. I've seen all kinds of international influence. And we have, you know, many, many recipes like that on our site, at least, you know, two or three dozen of those to choose from on com. Yeah, which I think is is a, a wonderful way to plan your menu because you can gain great inspiration. Okay, there's more turkey talk right after this. Stacey Adamondo, Test Kitchen Director for Savore Magazine, you and me, Chef Jamie Gwen, dishing right after the break. Welcome back. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio with the Savour Magazine Test Kitchen Director. Stacy. as you were saying about your turkey, what can we do to elevate our turkey? What are Savour's best tips this year? Well, again, I am a big fan of that sort of, you know, heritage, farm-raised, wonderful, you-know-what-it's-made-of type food. And I think buying a good bird is obviously going to be the first step, um, But there are, you know, succulent, gorgeous, big, fat birds that, you know, kind of got that way naturally by nature. So um, that's my first place to start, you know, just ensuring that you get the best flavor out of your bird. But then um, one thing that we promote and and I'm really big into is the dry brine. Dry brining is basically, you know, rubbing a turkey very generously with a lot of salt and then sometimes some other seasonings. Um, Some people use sugar, some people use black pepper, some people add, uh, you know, all sorts of herbs and spices to it. But you basically, after your bird is defrosted, leave it out in the fridge is my favorite tip. Leave it out in the fridge for at least a full 24 hours, if not 48 hours, Mm -hmm. with nothing around it, no bag, no towel, no cover of any kind, and just let that skin dry out with the salt all over it. And that's going to ensure you get a really crispy, dark, you know, caramelized Mm. skin on your bird, which I mean, let's be honest, is the best part. And then do you have a better way to gravy seeing that we're talking turkey? Yes. Okay. So there's a million ways to do this. And, you know, I think each one is like more complicated 
than the next in some, to some extent. <laughs> it's true. I just, it's, it's hilarious to me the lengths that some people go to for their gravy. But my most simple strategy, and it, it really works every time, and my mom was sort of like, how did you just come up with that? And say, like, how did I not know this? You would have saved me years off my life. <laughs> um, so basically, you know, many people make a roux to thicken their gravy. And I think that that is a lovely way to thicken a sauce, you know, many sauces, very classic, but it takes a long time and you have to stand over the roux. You can't abandon that pot. You have to stir it. You have to whisk every nook and cranny of the pot while you make that roux. And at the end of the day, like, you you have a million other things going on in your kitchen. That's the last thing you want to be worrying about. So what I do instead, and this is also a very classic, you know, French technique, um, it's called a bourmonier. Yes. And instead of using the roux, which is usually equal parts, you know, fat and flour, but melted and cooked, the bourmonier is just equal parts flour and softened butter that you literally mix with your fingers. You just kind of press on it like as if you were like, you know, smushing a dough or something. Right, like pl- you um, make Play-Doh. Yeah, you make Play-Doh with it. Mm-hmm. You smash it into like a little buttery paste using your fingers. You can use a f- the back of a fork if that's easier for you. And then you take your turkey pan right from the, the oven, you know, skim out most of the fat, leave a couple tablespoons for, for tastiness, and then you just whisk that bourmonier right into your turkey drippings and, you know, any added turkey stock or chicken stock that you add to your to your gravy. So you're literally not doing any work to make this thickener. You're smashing two things together and then whisking them right in. And you bring that to a boil on the stove and you will watch as it thickens right before your eyes. Yes. There are no lumps. Hmm. I mean, it's a very, like, the, the whole point of it is that, you know, the flour melts right into the sauce with the butter. So you I won't think... end up with any lumps. Oh. And it's just so much easier. I think you're on track 100%. I think the bourmonier has gotten for, become forgotten. And it's one of the quintessential things they teach you in culinary school um, of my years so many ago. Um, but it's really true. The bourmonier can save your life. And it's really brilliant to watch that gravy come together so quick and easy. You get that beautiful velvety texture because you're using good quality butter. The flour flavor dissipates quickly. Oh, and you don't have to I'm worry about it. your meat getting cold while you make it. So, you know, nothing's you... going to get cold while you're sitting right. there Labor over, over gravy. Yes. Exactly. No doubt. Great tips. Absolutely fabulous advice. This is why we love Savour and why you are ever culminating new and wonderful recipes uh, for cooking and with wine ideas uh, and all the best of culinary arts. The current October, November issue of Savoir Magazine is on newsstands now. Uh, I'm going to put you on the spot, Stacey, because I know your holiday season is crazy, but would you be willing to come back next Sunday? Because I I would be remiss. We didn't talk uh, stuffing. We, We didn't talk mashed potatoes. Oh, I could go on for hours okay, anytime. Okay, then I'm, I'm going to ask you for a little more time. You can meet Stacy Adamondo, the Test Kitchen Director for Savoir Magazine, and me right here in your radio next Sunday for more culinary conversation to perfect your Thanksgiving feast. And in the interim, pick up the current issue of Savoir. I know that you will love reading it time and time again. Stacey, we'll talk to you next Sunday. I can't wait. So excited. Me too. Thank you. Here's to uh, Thanksgiving coming close. There's more fabulous food in your radio. Don't touch your dial. You just might learn something. Chef Jamie Gwen. I'll be right back.
Cheers. It's Sunday. Welcome back. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio, taking any opportunity to celebrate. And there's no need to whine about wine prices anymore. Speaking of pouring a glass, thanks to Mark Oldman, award-winning wine expert, TV personality, and the author of a new book called You Can Drink Like a Billionaire. How to Drink Like a Billionaire, Mastering Wine with Joie de Vivre, just released. And Mark says that he has the tricks to maximize your enjoyment without spending more than you have to. So we're filling your glass because he's enlightening you on how to imbibe like an insider. From scoping out the best value bottles to divulging secret tactics for mastering wine in restaurants, shops, and at home, Mark is demystifying the wine world, and Mark Oldman is here. Hey, Mark, how are you? I'm great, Jamie. Thanks for having me. Yes, of course. Congratulations. Another stellar book. I love that you continue to break the rules. Yeah, you know, it's it's cool you hone in on that concept, because that was the original title of the book. (laughs) Um, And then, because um, we really wanted to convey that I'm instilling people with a billionaire's confidence and and kind of unapologetic joy, but it's really about breaking the rules. I mean, I, I'm sitting here, I, I'm sipping on some Colombo rosé, their Cape Blue rosé, and I'm breaking, wine industry has so many stupid rules that <laughs> I'm breaking a rule right now because I'm drinking rosé after summer, and some people tell you you're not supposed to do that, but this Colombo is so delicate and it goes with so many different types of food that it's important to instill the confidence in people that they can break the rules. Oh, and I agree with that. And I think you should drink what you want when you want, no matter the season or the dish. And Completely. Yeah, I know that that's really very much your philosophy. You say, go ahead, add ice. Reds can swim with the fishes. I mean, these <laughs> these really are outside the realm of those parameters that I think we have an expectation to fulfill in the wine world, but we need to rise above. Totally, totally. It's more of like the American mindset of like, we're going to do what we want the way we want to do it. I mean, you mentioned ice and wine. Um, I I brought, I have, to keep me company here in the studio today, (laughs) I have a a Talbot Pinot Noir, their Sleepy Hollow. And the beautiful thing about it, this is just the kind of wine, a beautiful Pinot Noir from California, from the Central Coast, it should have a bit of a chill because that will focus the flavors and make it taste more refreshing. And it doesn't have much alcoholic heat, but when you cool any wine, it takes away kind of that hot feeling you get sometimes from that emanates up from the glass. So in a restaurant, what I would do, I'd think nothing of it. I'd... Uh, order uh, a little dish of ice, and I would spoon a little piece of ice into the wine. Because this Talbot Pinot Noir is so special, I wouldn't leave the ice in the wine. I might just kind of whip it around for 10 or 15 seconds, but that will cool off the Pinot Noir. I know you say that many of us crave Margot on a Merlot budget, (laughs) And, and, and there really are affordable substitutes. Leave us with this. You say curb the swirl. But for yep. so many, that is that air of, of elegance. Are billionaires no longer swirling? <laughs> well, it's not if you swirl, it's how much you swirl. Oh, how you and swirl and how much you swirl. I got it. So the hallmark of kind of the non-billionaire, the, the, 
the, the, the newbie, the greenhorn, is he or she over-swirls. They swirl everything. They swirl candles and water, and they over So just swirl enough to let the vapors come out. That is a really good tip. I've seen many a wine genius do that. You will, you will look like a pro, no doubt. And we will drink like pros. After a good read, Mark Oldman is one of the leading wine personalities in America. He's made his passion a living. He's the wine correspondent for the Food Network, a two-time Best Wine Book of the Year award winner, and his newest book release is entitled How to Drink Like a Billionaire, and it is a great read. Cheers to you, Mark. I look forward to sitting down to a glass of wine at some point soon. Thank you, Jamie. I look forward to it, too. Thank you for having me on. And so that brings us to the end of another hour of Gastronomic inspiration that feeds your soul. I hope that I've inspired you to cook something new this week, start writing your holiday menus or experiment with new flavors. You see, art comes in all forms. I just happen to love the form that you can eat, right? I hope you'll tune in every Sunday for more delicious conversation as well. And I'll leave you with my last bite for the hour. It's actually a quick bite because you need one when everyone arrives for Thanksgiving dinner, right? You're finishing the gravy, but you don't want to serve a plated appetizer. What to make? Well, I'm making a five-ingredient, super simple, make-ahead recipe for balsamic figs with goat cheese as my snack before the big feast. And I'm about to share the recipe right now. So grab a pen and paper or go to Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Chef Jamie Gwen. And I will share with you my perfect Thanksgiving first bite. You need fresh figs, which are beautifully and readily available this season. I like the Black Mission, but you could use the Golden Turkey too. You need uh, some unsalted butter, some balsamic vinegar, and a drizzle of honey, plus some crumbled goat cheese. You'll actually roast these figs early in the day, preferably like the first thing you do in your oven or after the turkey comes out. At 400 degrees, you just need about 10 minutes to roast the figs to beautiful perfection. You melt the butter with balsamic vinegar and honey and a good pinch of salt in a saute pan and you reduce it down and then you just drizzle it over the figs and you roast them for 10 minutes at 400 degrees and they get all caramelized and delicious. And then you let them sit out on a pretty platter until everyone arrives and they can sit all day. In fact, as long as they're kept warm, they'll be just perfect. Then before everyone comes over for Thanksgiving, friends and family, you'll crumble some goat cheese over the top and you will have a sensational starter These balsamic figs with goat cheese are the perfect pre-snack to the big feast. Once again, I'll post the recipe on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Chef Jamie Gwen. I'll meet you at chefjamie.com for recipe inspiration. And I hope that you will tune in next Sunday for more scrumptious conversation. I thank you for listening. I'm Chef Jamie Gwen signing off, and I do hope that you continue to eat well. (laughs) 